Welcome to the Think and Learn Smarter experience. Here I will sit down with people from all walks of life and talk with them about experiences that have shaped them. Everyone learns from their own experiences, but the best learn from the experiences of others. Now, let's get into it. Okay, so today I'm joined uh, with Jessica Mahan. Jessica is actually the essentially the, the boss of the Mental Health Society in Minute, and she does a rake of other activities as well. Jesse, thanks million for coming on here today. I appreciate it a lot. Ah, oh, thanks so much for having me. I love that, the boss. Ah, well, you gotta you gotta enjoy it in fairness. You've earned it at this stage. And do you mind me asking, like, so why how did you become like the, um, the senator for the Mental Health Society in Minute? Was it a graduate process or did you go into Minute like wanting to have that role? So I actually have two separate roles. So I'm the mental health senator of Minute University. So that was only for this year. And then I'm also the mental health society president of Minute. So to be the senator, you have to basically run for election, kind of like how a TD would run for election. You know, you have to get posters, run a campaign. You do uh, what we call the hustings, which is a live debate against like the other people running. And you have to have, what's the word? A manifesto which is basically talks about the plans and stuff so back in december of last year i ran kind of spur of the moment i do so much mental health work anyway i kind of figured that it would be important for me to get my voice heard on the senate panel so that i could continue my work but on a higher level so i ran against six people and all six were like okay sorry five including myself six but they were fantastic, wonderful people. And it was a pleasure to get to work with them at the time. But I was very happy to have been elected. So since then, I have sat five official Senate meetings. The last one was last Friday, actually. And they're about six hours long, usually. And you have to go through all these motions and mandates and standing orders. And it's all very official. And then also I sat on three caucus or caucuses. Uh, which was the main one I stood for was the gender and sexuality. So what we would do is we would work with the college to basically uh, have the student voices heard and kind of have a more focus on gender and sexuality. So in my work as senator, I brought forward um, four, four or five mandates that were brought that were brought in for approval. So they included like um, bringing an ISL interpreter in for Senate seating so that everyone's included essentially. Um, it's included like having all the Moodle pages have access to kind of suicide helplines and stuff so that all students could have access. And then my most recent one was an anti-bullying policy that actually didn't go through, but I'm happy it didn't because I got to bring it forward. I got the college to have a discussion on it and they realised that there was issues, but that they would take it, they would fix it and then they would get it done next year when I'm gone. So that's kind of the guts of my work. So that was very exciting. So I attended three meetings a week for them. Yeah, the mental health society is a little bit different. So that's student, completely student run. It's wonderful fun. I have a committee of 12 people who are just incredible individuals. And we have about 150 something members at the moment. It's continuously growing. And what we do is we do weekly events and workshops and kind of chats and things like this. We run social media blogs and we basically try to boost mental health morale on the campus. And we try to have our voices heard we also just tried to have great fun. I was mo- the November captain for Minute in 2020 as well. And November is men's mental health. So that is an international campaign. It's wonderful. And it's all about promoting positive men's mental health and raising money for various men's charities. So I was delighted to be co-captain for that with my friend David, David Mulligan. And we raised €5,328 in the college virtually. So that was really, really exciting. And that was all like with the various societies of the college. So 
it's been a really, really good experience for me. And yes, you know, you said, did I come into college wanting this? To be honest, I think we all kind of come into college not knowing who we are, or what we want. We're all a bit lost and scared. So when I first came into college, I was quite anxious and I couldn't even stand at the top of the room, you know, to make my speech to get elected, let alone start running a society. So it took a little while to find myself. But after a year or so in the college, I realized that, yes, mental health is where I want to go. It is where I want to work. So I'm happy I ended up here. Jesus, mm-hmm. a lot to unpack in those uh, few minutes there. Like, first of all, six hour meetings. Like, how do you stay not even attentive, but just functioning for six hours? Is it six hours in a row? Is there breaks or how does that work? Because that seems ridiculous. We have like um, a 10 minute recess, usually halfway. But you know what? We're so deep into it that not that you don't know us. I often send a message being like, right, I think it's time for recess. I think we should look after the centers. But you're so deep into it. Like it's usually four hours. That's kind of the set. But we might look for approval for longer because we just have so much to get through. Because between officer reports and, you know, statements, meetings, and then the mandates, there's often like questions, POIs, AOBs, debates, things like this that just take up a lot of time. And it is, but you only have one Senate meeting a month. So you're kind of pushing all the time into that one meeting. It's also live streamed. So anyone can watch it. And for me, that always freaked me out because as you can see here by how anxious I am, I don't really like being on the camera that much, uh, but it's important to be. But it is live streamed. So you don't really, you, it's not like I could be there like having a drink or playing Sudoku or something. Do you know what I mean? Like you you have to look at the camera. You're, you're there the whole time. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. and have you learned like we say um how to communicate online because it's a bit different like if you're going to do a live stream i know you'd only be talking to maybe 10 of your senators how many senators are there actually that was a very good question i think 20 something okay even 20 senators online like what if i'm mad about like a four hour or six hour chat is like how do you know what things to prioritize or does everyone get a 15 minute slot or how does it work so you have to send things into the agenda so how does it work? I'm still new to any, any senators listening. Please don't judge me. I'm still relatively new. So what would happen is it's usually around the 10th or at the beginning of the month that we have Senate. So like the last one was last week. But do remember we had Easter and everything, whereas like the one before that was the 10th of March. So about two weeks before that, we have to send in any motions or items for the agenda that you want to bring forward. So that's absolutely anything well it's not anything because you have to get it approved and you have to get everything you want seconded as well so if i'm writing a motion let's say that i want to change the constitution or something i have to get that seconded by another senator or possibly an exec if i could Mm -hmm. Uh, now you can go independently but it's not really common so then once you have that seconded you send it in for approval and then if the the chair and all that approve it then they make the agenda and then the agenda gets sent out to you with everybody's papers so we'd be getting files of like 40 documents to read and revise and then we have pre-senate which is on a saturday night before the actual senate which is another few hours like four or five where you ask unofficial questions and stuff all right she's got quite a lot in that right for sure and is there any you've been working with the mental health society for a few years now in minute uh, how did you find doing the Leaving Cert in general? Like kind of going back a few years, uh, would, your, would you have had like good uh, strategies in place for dealing with like the stress and the pressure that goes with, goes with doing the Leaving Cert? Or how did you find your Leaving Cert cycle in general? 
I think this is what a big part of why I kind of got so involved with mental health because look I'm only 21 but that's still a bit older than the young ones now I feel like mental health had talked a lot more now than it was when I was back in secondary and I know that was only what three four years ago but still I learned so much in college that I didn't know in secondary and if I'd only known that I think I would have gotten through the leaving cert a lot better see I have intellectual difficulties right so I was only diagnosed in sixth year but I found it really difficult getting through the leaving cert until I found that out and I actually like borderline considered dropping out because I couldn't read like just really going back further I remember the first day of either fifth or sixth year I'd gone to a devs the night before and mammy always said that a devs is no excuse for missing school so I went to school like I got back from devs about seven was in school like half seven and you know I had the buzz of the fun you know had the buzz of the fun and everyone was like oh there's Jessie she's doing this and we were prefects so we were showing the first years around and you know everyone was like oh Jessie's telling the story so they had me read the names of all the first years and that was the first time I can remember in my secondary school feeling so stupid and so idiotic because I couldn't read their names a lot of them were Irish names but I couldn't read the names and everyone was laughing they were like oh Jessie's so funny and all this right but (coughs) pardon me that wasn't the case at all. I tried really hard to read the names, but I couldn't. So then I was doing early modern history and I was, like, there's a lot of reading in early modern history. And after a while, my teacher kind of noticed that I wasn't like doing the work or picking up like the other students were. So she kept me back and we practiced reading and she was like, right, I think that there's something not quite going here. And then the other subjects, I started falling behind. And because I fell behind, I stopped going to class. And because I stopped going to class, I continued going behind. And it was like, I can't do this leave insert, like not at all. So then after a while, the history teacher had a psychologist come into the school because in every school, I believe, I don't know if it's every school, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure in most schools in Ireland, uh, the school can bring in a psychologist to get a child tested if they need. Now, again, don't quote me, but my school was like that anyway. And they brought in a psychologist to get me tested. And anyway, lo and behold, a lot of problems that were just completely missed as I grew up because I was a straight C B student because I could just figure out the system anyway so thankfully I got the support that I needed and I ended up getting accepted in college for DARE which is the Disability Access Route for Education. Now going back circling back to your original question having all that figured out trying to get through this really tense year I remember the first day of sixth year I remember the school they brought us in for an assembly and they said to us this is a stressful year you're going to be stressed. You're probably going to feel anxious. We have meditation rooms open. In the morning, you go in, no talking loud. You just go in there. You have your breakdown. It's fine. And then you leave again and it's grand. Uh, you know, you just take some time. And then if you need to chat, you know, the chaplain's there and everything. And like, look, in fairness, if you needed to chat, they'd be there. But it was just so normalized being anxious and being panicky and not knowing what to do. And I, I remember thinking, oh, this is grand. And we all had our panic attacks and we were all petrified and my friend group at the time they were very uh, intelligent you know they were good grades and they had this idea that they wanted to be doctors and neurosurgeons not like really big points and stuff and that was a lot of pressure for us to have to deal with and just you know your the fear of failing and the fear of not being as smart as the other people was just so intense and I was quite a creative person 
So I used to make board games and I used to write poetry and stuff as my way of studying. And lucky for me, I had a great relationship with the teachers. So they would let me like bring the board games in and we all played. And that's kind of how we got through the classes and great fun. But I know for a lot of other students, it wasn't like that. So I think there does need to be a much bigger focus on mental health, especially after everything that's gone through. Like we can't ignore that it exists anymore do you know what I mean like we went through something terrible in sixth year we had a teacher pass away through very unfortunate and scary circumstances that completely shook the school and we never really dealt with it it was not really addressed properly and it like it's affected so many of us and I wouldn't talk to many people who I went to school with now I'm more into my college but from speaking recently enough to a few I can see that it did still affect them and it's because it wasn't addressed do you know what I'm saying Definitely. Um, I do want to come back into that point with the teacher and that kind of thing, but I thought one thing you mentioned earlier on is very interesting. So did you say in your history class you brought in board games or was it for English? Sorry, I can't remember which one now. I don't. I'm talking so much. Do feel free to stop me at any point. <laughs> um, yes. So I made board games kind of like Monopoly style for English. It was um, I think it was predominantly English. Uh, yeah, it was great because I remember me and a few friends we used to make them. So I just had this amazing idea you know I set up a board we got like old milk tray boards I think and I painted it kind of like a mixture of like snakes and ladders and Monopoly had a baby so you had like the snake and the ladder going up but then you also had the bridges and the houses so it'd be like you'd have to go up the snake and at the top of the snake you'd get a card and on the card it'd be like um recite jerkins like three teams or something like that and then you had to get to the end of the board and I think it worked really well. And the teacher was very kind to let us do this. And, you know, I got a lot of feedback saying that it was very helpful. And they started doing it with second years and stuff. So, yeah. Now, that's very interesting because there's a lot of um, scientific research that suggests now that, like, the big talking point these days is flow state and trying to get into that and being, like, consistent, being able to get there. And in fairness, in high-performing environments, they don't even manage to get there often. But... They say the most likely or the most usual way of getting there is approaching like a problem or a game with like a sense of curiosity. So by look by the sounds of things and also a sense of like unpredictability. So like if you didn't, as you're saying, so you said it was like monopoly with snakes and ladders. So when you flip the carriage, you don't know what's going to be underneath it. So that gives you that sense of unpredictability, which is actually how like gambling and casinos work. Like that's how they fix you. But that's a whole different thing. And also like the fact that the curiosity, like it allows you to learn in a way that's like essentially creative and it's not just reading out of a book so i thought when you mentioned that that's very interesting because uh, that probably had a massive impact and did you do did you do well in english if you don't mind me asking or oh yeah i've got a h1 in the end so i was delighted with myself <laughs> uh english was my favorite subject um at least i'm pretty sure it was a h1 i'm almost certain I'm sure we'll look back at it but um in the end i actually ran out of time uh because it was so rushed. That's another thing. The exams are so rushed. But yes, yeah, so I did do really well. Now, English was the only one I did particularly well in myself because uh, it was my best subject. And then history came second, which is great because those two subjects helped me find myself. So I think it does show a little bit that if you not so much if you have an interest, but if you have positive affiliations with the class, it will help with your grades in the end. But that's just I also think it was really important that the teacher did let us get creative. Like I got the class to go to London. Uh, it was my history class, but I was able to get us to go to London because I because I had a curiosity <laughs> for the Tower of London and the Globe. So we ended up organising a trip because there were so few of us and we got to go see the King Lear and the Globe. And that was our play at the time. So it actually just worked out really well. And 
uh, we also got to see it in the Mill Theatre in Dublin. And I actually preferred the one in the Mill Theatre in Dublin. Now, the acting for both cases were incredible. But even having the opportunity to compare the two and see like who took a more creative approach, who used the themes and toads that we would talk about, who had like creative license. I found that the Globe kind of followed Shakespeare's script, whereas the theatre, they were very creative with the way they did things and they switched their characters up. And it was an all around good time, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's just another way of uh, listening to the information, I guess. I just found it interesting. I was wondering if there was like a correlation between the subject in which you had like the most license to kind of experiment and figure out a different way of learning the material and like the one you did the best in. Like, I don't know if that's the, um, it might just because it's your favorite subject and you spent the most time on it, but I'd say there's definitely a causation there. Yeah, you know, when you're into after school study, I used to, because I have no attention span, like I used to go to after school study in the hopes that it would help, but it like for me, it, didn't. it really didn't for myself because I'm just so creative and moving and I don't like being told what to do and sitting in a desk and, you know, we're not all auditory or visual learners, you know, some of us are kinetic learners like myself and, you know, you like to have a bit of crack and kind of, I like discussions as well. And I was very lucky that my friend group were studious, but also willing to have discussions at the time. But I remember being at after school study and I'd actually take out my English paper one essays and that would be for fun. Like for me, that would be a treat. Like if I finished a Spanish assignment, I'll do my English assignment. And I got so excited to do it, you know, because I just loved writing. Mm -hmm. And what course did you decide to do in Minute? Was it like along the English history route or what did you decide to do in the end? That's a funny story. Um, so <laughs> I originally kind of started in UCD doing... Um, business or whatever I like but I didn't that was my first choice and that's kind of where I was going to end up but then do you know when you have this good feeling that something's just not for you I, I knew I liked business but I didn't think it was where I wanted to spend my life so I ended up coming to Minute, and Minute was great because it gave you the opportunity to float around a little bit and pick what you like so I ended up doing 16 subjects for the first eight weeks of first year by mistake. I kind of kept hopping in between. I'm pretty sure I came in doing like double business, Spanish, and then possibly like psychology. I think that's what I came in doing. And by the end of it, I was in single business and classics and economics and anthropology and philosophy. And I also ended up doing, I did English for maybe a day and then I did math. No, I didn't. No, I never did math. I did something else that was kind of mathy. I just did so many subjects. I did all the business. I was just everywhere. And I accidentally unregistered from college when I was switching a module because I did it so much. And because I'd unregistered, I had to re-register and everything I'd ever done showed up, but it was just so messy. So I had to figure that out. But I now do business management and anthropology, which is like completely different from what I came in. And it just kind of shows you that like, you don't need to make the decision straight away. Personally, I kind of wish I took a bit of time traveling or finding myself before I came in. However, I'm still very happy with business and anthropology. I'm very happy with the lessons I've learned. And the thing about colleges, and I know it's probably cheesy to say, but you learn not just from the classroom, but you learn a lot from the experience as well. Uh, but yeah, anthropology would be kind of English. Anthropology is the mother of social sciences, so it would be very English based. And I'm very delighted that I had the opportunity to take that course, you know. Yeah, so you've mentioned a few times already about finding yourself, and I'd be kind of curious to know what that means for you. Oh, that's a very good question. I think a lot of people go to college trying to find themselves and find a future and find a path. 
I, I suppose with mental health and kind of a oneself, it is a big question about understanding what you need, what would make you happy, what would keep you safe and alive. Because I find that when I first came into college, I didn't know a tap about my mental health and I didn't know a thing about my even my learning difficulties or who I was or what I was meant to become and I was quite sad and down and low and then I ended up getting really sick for a majority of my college time and people often forget that mental health despite the lack of looking physical can be quite physical and if you ignore it for long enough it becomes physical and it did for me but after a long time and the pandemic actually it forced me to take a good long look in the mirror at my studies at my passions what I'm good at what I'm not good at what my mental health means what it needs and kind of the importance of just basically being healthy and putting yourself first and all that kind of stuff so I suppose I haven't actually found myself I've only found the entryway to the path that will lead me to find myself because we have a whole life ahead of us. We're not going to find ourselves in the three years or four years or six years that you're in college. But if you're lucky, you'll begin to, you know, I know that I'm a very different person to who I was three years ago. I like the person I've become. I wish that I could apologize to everyone for the person that I was, you know, but at the same time, you don't need to or want to because you're growing and you're learning. And that's the big thing about your being young. You're meant to make mistakes and you know find out social cues and find out what's okay and not okay and now that I've become a bit older and wiser to toot my own horn here but you know I feel like I get to look at life a very different way it's almost like oh what's that saying it's you know you get to you got to take off the rose tinted glasses and now you get to put them back on but you know what you're looking for do you know what I'm saying mm-hmm think so um i was kind of curious you mentioned there about the this the covid came in and the, the, i could be wrong and picking this up completely incorrectly but did covid help you because there was so little going on in your life that you could focus on yourself or what did you mean by covid helped you um kind of quiet the noise um you see i think the pandemic had a very different ex- impact on everyone and everyone was in very different situations so at the time i was living out of home I was living, you know, with an ex and then, you know, we separated. I came back home, you know, college shut down. I turned a bit older. I lost my job. I lost all six of my jobs. Actually, I was working six jobs at the time to just try and kind of keep myself through college and stuff. And, you know, that was the first time in my life for years that I didn't have a job and that I wasn't working and that I wasn't in college and I wasn't running society events and I wasn't here, there and everywhere, that I actually was forced to sit down and meet Jesse. Do you know what I mean? So I think, and then I ended up with the COVID and I was very, very sick. And I think, you know, a little while later, I ended up in an isolation centre for the guts of a month And when you're on your own in a secluded area, in a room, and you're thinking, when are you going to see everyone you love again? When are you going to be safe again? Are you ever going to be fully better? You know, you're in a room completely alone, no human contact. And the the staff were incredibly lovely, absolutely lovely. But you didn't meet them. All the people who fed me and, you know, who brought medication and stuff, I 
never met them you know because they left stuff at the door you were only allowed walk for half an hour a day at your like time it was not like a zoo animal but you know along those lines of like your freedom's kind of gone and i had to sit there and my best friend she had the COVID as well but she was at home for it and she was locked up in her room too and her room was tiny it was like a you know she only had like a little bit of space for herself but we rang every day for six hours a day and we did just dance we practiced makeup and we talked about life and our aspirations and we made a plan for everything that we want to do when we get out because you're kind of forced to look at everything you didn't do and you know you were living in this little world in college of getting the of meeting the deadlines and having social life and how do I look and how do they look and you know that kind of way so yes i think the pandemic did when i when i left those doors and i came back home i saw the world through new eyes new perspective and i never looked back and i never will it's definitely like have you ever seen inside out yeah, yeah. you know those core memory things like for me it's one of those core things it's going to be forever something that steered me on the path and i think that for a lot of people especially because i work a lot with young people regarding their mental health and I think the pandemic has definitely done a lot for people as well be it good and bad obviously it has not been a great time for anyone and it's been unfortunate and scary but I also find that a lot of people have had the time to find themselves and they're on completely new paths and I've also had the opportunity to volunteer a lot more as well and learn a lot more so you know it is kind of different but I think I hope that answers that question it does yeah <laughs> I didn't realize that a my salacious energy could be there for a month and that does seem pretty intense, the fact that like you'd be having six hour calls regularly with someone else who has a similar experience. Uh, I can only imagine that you'd eventually get to the bottom of things that like you'd, you'd have to figure things out if you're spending that long talking to each other. And I'd just be kind of curious, and I know it's probably hard to put a definition on it or an exact set of, of, of a framework, but when you said you had a different perspective, did you mean as in you appreciate the little things more? That like What exactly does that mean? Because I, I haven't experienced that myself. Ooh. Uh, first, I wasn't actually there for a month. It was just the guts of a month. And it, you could be, I know people, well, like distantly, but I know people who are have been in hospital for the guts of a year with the COVID, like who were in it the entire time. Unfortunately, like it has, there's no timeline. There's no anything for anyone. Do you know what I mean? It's when do you get better? So in terms of like, just back just on that, yes, you can stay in the isolation center for that long because you have to be healthy when you leave. Like, you know, there can't be a risk of you spreading it. Like it has to be gone. And just in my case, my immune system's corrupt. So it wasn't, I wasn't getting better. So that was my problem. So I think I was there maybe three weeks or roughly, or maybe, you know, it was something like that. You know what I mean? But to be honest, time doesn't really exist. Now, back to your second question. Um, You have an experience it yourself. That's interesting. I guess. I mean, more sorry that like, I've never had like a month where it was just, essentially myself and maybe talking to a friend oh. you know I mean? like that kind of way because I, I was like oh, I appreciate the little things I was like okay well you're gonna go home today and you're gonna do that um yeah no I think I was always someone who tried to appreciate little things but I feel that in life as cliche again as it sounds you really don't know what you have until it's nearly gone or it is gone or you think you're never going to see it again um I think more importantly I started to appreciate myself a little bit more and instead of looking at all the dark stuff I looked at the good stuff and how far I've come in life because I actually read a quote today in a book and it was something along the lines of like you don't realize how short life actually is between birth and death like we really don't have that long uh geez that was very dark but anyway uh <laughs> you know and you have to start thinking 
the pressure it feels like it's the only thing in the world it feels like it's everything on you you feel like that there's no escape that you have to stay on these computers and do these deadlines and you know you have to be a certain intelligence and you have to look a certain way and act a certain way but that's not true at all that's not true at all and you only realize it when you sit and think because you're stuck in a limbo of all these thoughts so for me just i would have stayed for three months to be honest i needed that now now knock on wood don't send me back but i would have and to be honest when i was leaving i don't even think i was happy at all to leave because i wanted more time because there's very little time in this world where you get to just sit and breathe and not worry about what's coming next and what you're doing today and tomorrow and how you're going to pay the bills and how you know how you're going to meet these deadlines and you know it felt like i was in a box completely sealed off from the world and i got to listen to art and music and i got to rewrite some poetry and read books and books are just an incredible way to escape the world i got to dance people forget how fun it is to dance it's so good to move moving your body is so good and you know we all are just trapped sometimes in this really crazy hectic world that's just moving 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 it just doesn't stop so yeah like i'm grateful you didn't have to experience being locked in a room and leaving humanity for a little while but honestly i'd recommend it like taking a day or two to just stop and breathe Mm-hmm. No, well, one time I was in, actually I was in Fortune, France. I was in hospital in a bed for about I think ten to twelve hours. I was awake, and I just remember thinking clearly because you could see the window and it was closed. And I was always craving just like a breath, like you could feel the wind or you could feel like the fresh air outside. Because I don't know what it was, it was like the hospital room was just really stale. I remember just thinking there, like there's some cancer patients or there's some people just in hospitals for weeks, and they wouldn't be able to go outside and all that. So I had like a more like tense experience, but like I just. You had so much time to spend and to, to, to literally get your thoughts together for like a whole month. And you talked about how like you came out and you had like the, you kind of picked up these practices where you had a chance to like look at art and um, dance and read books and all that kind of thing. Was there any like one or two habits that you picked up in that month that you made like a conscious effort to really continue on in like your regular life? I know that you're busy now when you leave, when you left, but was there a few things that you really tried to, to implement again? Uh, the okay I just in terms of the isolation center uh, for anyone listening it like for myself I was quite lucky it's I wasn't in a hospital room or anything I was in a very nice cushiony room and the staff were incredibly kind and like for my like for how sick I was it was like I got a bit better so I just don't want to be stepping on anyone's uh, toes there uh, in terms of did I take anything definitely the makeup um, if anyone saw me before covid happened i used to go in these mad bright pink and purple colors everywhere it was like i had no style i worked on um calming my appearance down a little bit which i really appreciate i've got a lot more physical so before i went into the isolation center my mental health was in a very 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 dark place i was in a very very bad situation for myself and leaving and going away for some time to basically not fix it but not be scared to look at it anymore to actually deal with the fact that I'm not doing great that bad things have happened and I need to reach out for help because I think that's another thing people are often scared to reach out for help and I was always in this kind of headspace that I could just keep going keep going keep organizing events keep being there for other people 
this forced me to be there for myself and I've never looked back and I take days out for myself now I, I think I spend like a lot of Sundays just with my phone off and I go roller skating I love roller skating absolutely love roller skating um I read a lot more before going into the center and you know what was even funny some of the books that I read in the center it was very kind the nurses they left a big pile of books for me at the door very very kind but some of the books I picked them up when I was a bit younger like 17 18 and I didn't like them. I was like, I'm not reading these. These are so boring and ugh, a lot of words. Picked them up and I love them. And I've read them again. I've read them twice. They're just so... Things are different. I've been more willing to try new foods, talk to more people. I'm willing to go on more walks. And I take a lot less jobs now. Like, I work a lot less than I did. And I'm still hard working, But I'm changing my work. Like, before then, I kind of would do anything, really. You know, even if I was too tired or stressed. Whereas now... I think about how I'm doing and if I can I will but if I can't I I forgive myself do you know yeah so you had that month away and you came back to the to the real world essentially and incorporate certain things like walking or you know even taking on less responsibility in terms of jobs if as I said if you to extrapolate that out and you're talking to your friends maybe in the society or you're saying to them like oh maybe you could give this a go or you could try this is there any methodologies or even just habits you picked up that would be very useful for college students or, or even leaving cert students still, do you think? Mm. That's an interesting question. See, the friend who I was on the phone to while I was in the isolation centre, she and I climb a mountain every month now. And that's like our long term goal that we're going to do because we love it. and We love the outdoors and we love to do it more. But time only allows us to do it once a month. But even that's something I would recommend. Don't be afraid to reach out for help. There are so many services available out there. We definitely need more, 1 billion percent. But there is a few, you know, like the 50808 helpline, for example. That's 50808. Uh, they're fantastic. They're a free listening, you know, service that you text into and they're 24-7 as well. So they're great. You know, you can reach out to them as well. There's turntome.ie, there's Jigsaw, Spun Out. So definitely reaching out is a really big thing i love bullet journaling so you can just get yourself a wee journal like tiny thing out of do i even have mine here i do have it somewhere here oh here oh let me break the mirror but uh, here it is have a wee uh-huh. have a wee bullet journal it's tiny and like it's blank on the inside here because i'm starting a fresh one but you just do it however we want and we have tutorials and stuff online as well but you just bullet journal and it's just you plan or you can write how you're feeling as i think i was speaking to you before about cbt yeah i wanted to get onto the topic of cbt with you for sure because i know myself i've read a few books they specifically about cbt but they do adopt those kind of frameworks of essentially reframing the circumstances you're in like one that always stuck for me was reading uh, victor franco's man's search for meaning who was literally, um, he was in a concentration camp in Auschwitz, and he tells a story about how they're going on a train, and the prisoners on the train were delighted when they saw the, the camp of Dachau because they thought they were going to somewhere else completely different. I can't remember the top of my head. And they also saw that Dachau didn't have like a, a chimney on it, which meant that they were more likely to stay alive for a few extra weeks. So in those circumstances, even though they're on their way to a Nazi death camp, they were actually happy, which I found... I just couldn't believe when I was reading it. So this, I'm like, that's like a very extreme example, but that's why CBT is so interesting to hear about. 
Absolutely. And that book sounds really interesting. I'll have to get the name off you later. Absolutely. And like I was saying, I think it's really important, especially for young people to reach out and maybe, you know, talk to a counsellor or a therapist or anyone that you can find. Uh, so in my experience with therapy, I was introduced to something called CBT, which is, forgive me for the mispronunciation, but it's like cognitive behavioural therapy, which is this idea, like you were saying, of like basically channeling, challenging those negative thoughts and trying to understand them and maybe make them more positive. So as someone who suffers with anxiety, I am very used to having many negative thoughts. You see these bags? They're not Chanel. That's anxiety. And it's literally because of all these thoughts that come in left, right and centre that weigh you down and make you so tired and, you know, you can't control them. So I was given these sheets, right? And I think that especially even search students could do this at home themselves. And, you know, on the sheet, it was basically saying, what are you feeling? Right. And it was just like, what, like, what are the thoughts or what are you feeling? Right. And it's just like, why are you feeling this? And then it's like, does it make sense? Or, you know, is it real? So a lot of the times I could have thoughts that might not necessarily be real, you know, oh God, I shouldn't have said that. They're going to hate me They're, You know, why did I do this? They're going to think I'm the worst person in the world, stuff like this. Right. So I'd write down on the sheet. I'm like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Why? Because I sent a text message about who knows what, you know, um, meeting for a study session, let's say, right? And it's just like, but I think they're going to hate me. They're going to think I'm a big weirdo and they're going to absolutely, and I'm like, right, is that, does that make sense? Like, is that real? I'd be like, oh, no, really, it's not. So even though it doesn't completely take the anxiety away, it does make me stop to think. And for me personally, it does calm me down. Now, obviously, a professional counsellor would be so much better at that. And it is something that you'd have to be doing for a little while. But if you're in your Leaving Cert studying and it is definitely an idea you could have and we can get some worksheets up on your site, you know, for examples. And again, you can do it in the bullet journal as well, but it's trying to channel these thoughts. So I completely recommend it, you know. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And would you have any sites in particular that you think would be very useful for people to have a look at? Oh, absolutely. Get your pen and paper. Um, so especially if you're younger, between like the ages, like just under 25, but uh, turntome.ie or turntome.org, they're fantastic. They are a completely anonymous uh, site for young people to join support groups. They have helplines, they have, um, you know, counselling and stuff, and they have like a section for young people, so under the age of 18, and then they have a section for adults, so they're completely great. Then there's also spunout.ie. So they are fantastic and they do a lot of things for especially secondary school students. And they also have panels and boards that young people can go to. The same with Jigsaw. So Jigsaw is particularly for secondary school and young people, I think under 25. And again, they have panels and stuff that young people can get involved in. They have a kind of an educational program, which kind of runs through like a bit on mental health and stuff. And they're just wonderful. And there's loads of events and things to take part in. Uh, what else have we got? They're just off the tippy top of my head. There's so many. You know, that, that's a great start for sure. Uh, definitely, I'll have a look at some of them myself, even. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely try and put one or two of those worksheets up on the website as well, because that might help for sure with the uh, Leaving Cert students this year. And mm. one thing, have you? So you, you mentioned a bit a good bit ago, and at this stage, that you worked in different uh, charities and volunteering. Uh, is there any stories that you had from that? Or is there any like experiences that you would like to share about them? you know it took him aback too and then he ended up getting a bit overwhelmed himself and 
I was like, that's totally fine. You know, it's totally fine. That's okay. So we ended up speaking in sign language to each other. You know, I was like, why don't we do this? So we ended up speaking for three or four hours afterwards, right? But completely in sign language. And because neither of us could speak sign language, we just spelt every word out with sign language for the few hours. So the conversation that probably would have been 10 or 20 minutes took us a few hours because we're there like H-I, you know? But I wouldn't change it for the world. It was such a memorable experience. I saw them grow. I saw such confidence in them that night. I saw that this was a new way to communicate. It, you know, it was powerful for me because it made me feel like I really had the chance to listen to this person and to hear their voice, even if they weren't speaking. And, you know, to this day, I feel like we are very, very good friends and I cannot wait to see the difference they're going to make. I've already seen them run for positions in the Senate of all places. And that is just incredible to see. So I am so proud of them for all they have like achieved. And I would recommend this to absolutely anyone. Oh, I'm even getting choked up thinking about it. That's a ridiculously powerful thing. Like it's, it's mad how you learn a skill such as sign language. Like at the time, you probably you couldn't have known how useful or how important a skill it would end up being. And at the end, you managed to have a like a ridiculously powerful conversation with someone who, as I said, suffered a little bit from so much anxiety and is now, am I right in saying that they're thinking of running for the Senate or they're, they're essentially overcoming their fear, which is brilliant to hear. They did run for the Senate. However, unfortunately, they didn't get elected. But you know what? I hope that that doesn't stop them. I hope that they keep going for it until they do get elected because I know that they would be great at the role. And I have seen them go for other roles in societies and uh, in our college we do something called the Minute Access Programme which is uh, kind of like the home for you know DARE students, here students, QQI, Mature, that kind of thing and we have a thing called Access which is like where all those students kind of hang out and get support and we run a thing called Launchpad at the beginning of each year for the incoming students and what that is it's three days on campus where you get to know students, you get to you know, live in the apartments, we do scavenger hunts, we talk to them about subjects, things like that. And I got elected as coordinator this year. So myself and my four colleagues are the coordinators. So we get to design the programme and then we have a staff of 20 and they got elected as one of the staff. So I am so incredibly proud of them to have seen them. And I remember they texted me and they were so happy. They were like, look at this. And I just know that they're going to change so much in this world and they're going to do so many incredible things. And I just think it just shows that even if you're not speaking, you still have a voice that needs to be heard. And he just showed me that. And I think that's the biggest lesson, pardon me, that Absolutely, I'm going to take yeah. over this year. Because, um, yeah, sorry, go on. Just one thing I find very interesting is that it seems that it's been like a general trend in that when they sign up for the mental, I mean, not sign up, but when they join the Mental Health Society in Minute, even these people who maybe perhaps becoming not not from a disadvantage but we'll say below the like that the average person in terms of like confidence in themselves or confidence in speaking and it seems that they nearly do a u-turn and end up running for important positions and talking to a lot of important not even important people but just talking to a lot of people in general i'd be kind of curious to know if that's like a natural thing is that just something that kind of ha- kind of happens by coincidence is it do you reckon it's a person by person or is there like certain events or certain um i don't know maybe conversations that seem to spur to that that like significant change in the personality um 
so I just want to make sure I'm understanding the question. So are you saying that like joining the mental health society is what gives people confidence to run for things that they might not have done prior? Essentially, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure I was understanding that. I think it's not just the mental health society. No, I find that. I was absolutely spoofing on there a little bit. I could have just asked a simple question, but you're like, <laughs> you <gotta be> <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. I kind of got lost in the words and I was like, I just want to make sure this is what you were asking. I hope that wasn't cheeky. Not at all. Far away. Uh, yeah, so I think that clubs and societies are the heart and soul of the university experience, no matter where you go. I think it's so important to join them. And I, yes, I do think that even not just the mental health society, I think that any society that you join to an extent does give you the confidence and encouragement because students are so very kind a lot of the time now look my experience I'm the mental health society so I can only really talk about that but before the summer ended there was only three of us on the committee so myself Shauna and Mark and who are wonderful people all together and I hope that Shauna will take on the role as president when I leave this May incredible so it was just three of us and of course we were a bit scared you know virtual world are we going to get students well we had nearly 100 people in our virtual attendance for the AGM which is where people get elected and I remember seeing all these wonderful new faces some were final years who never had the confidence to join the mental health society others were first years who were new to college and had never set foot on campus and some were just second years continuing on the next year you know and some were postgrads and masters and you you very seldom get phd students now i say that i remember they came in and i'd ask questions and we had a good laugh and people got elected I remember looking at the team and one or two of them got elected and they had said to me that they were very anxious before running, that it wasn't something that they'd ever done before or would ever consider doing, that they wanted to step out of their comfort zone. And now I work so closely with them day in, day out, and they're flying away with it. They've done incredible work all together. I cannot flaw them. And not just the committee, but the members as well, because we have team bonding events. We encourage people and that's so so important I actually feel that a lot of people especially young people they don't hear the positive encouragement that they need and people forget that they need to know that they're doing a good job they need to know that they're talented and kind and good and you know that they do contribute and I think that when you take the time to remind someone how important they are to the event to the society even to you I think that already opens them up and encourages a student to get more involved and you also you build a family and when you build a family you become more open and more yourself and you just get to have an all-around good time again unfortunately we haven't really gotten to do that because of the pandemic but we've gotten to do it as much as we possibly could and I couldn't have asked for a better team or kinder people so I'm really glad to see the positive effects that our work and society has had on people and I hope that next year it will have on more. And if you are coming into college, especially into our college, please do consider joining a club or society, even if it is virtual. I promise it will change you for the better. Uh, that's a brilliant oh, note to finish on. Especially a bit about sometimes I need a bit of confidence in yourself. And if that involves joining the mental health society, or if that involves joining the Harry Potter society, whatever you want, then do it. Uh, thanks a million, Jesse. Appreciate it a lot. I, I know you're quite busy, and I know you said you took a step back from not having six jobs at once, which I'm sure is another story in itself. But I appreciate you taking the time this evening, and best of luck with everything else. Thank you so much for having me on, and best of luck with your endeavours. I hope that it will be a very big success. Thanks a million. 
that's the end of another episode. I hope you've taken something away from this, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, good luck.